It's time for the Full Out Cheer Podcast, brought to you by Dream Camps. Discussing all things cheerleading with some of the best industry influencers in the world. Welcome, welcome. This is Dan Cotton, and you are listening to the Full Out Cheer Podcast. I've been lucky enough to work with some of the best in the cheerleading industry over my years owning and operating Dream Camps. I realized I learned so much just sitting and listening to my staff talk that I wanted to share that experience with the rest of the cheerleading world. So I set out to sit down with my staff and do that. Just talk. So without further delay, let's get to it. All right, we are live. Um, It'll take a couple minutes for people to kind of hop on and view uh, sorry for the delay, everyone who's jumping on. Uh, we had some technical difficulties that were all my fault, uh, trying to make this a little too high tech. <clears throat> but we're going to get started. Uh, so uh, we are lucky enough to be joined by Cass Leach, who is the head coach at Blinn College, correct? Yeah. Well, technically, my title is assistant cheer and dance. Okay. Um, but So I like oversee both teams, kind of, but I pretty much do all of the coaching for the cheer team. And then our spirit coordinator pretty much does all the coaching for the dance team. Awesome. And Vante, who is also joining us, this is our first collaborative effort, collaborative interview we're doing. Uh, But thanks for setting this up and let's get started. So would you mind just kind of briefly introducing yourself, telling us a little bit about who you are? Yeah, sure. So hi everybody. My name's Cass Leach. Um, I am originally from the Chicago area. I cheered at ICE when I was growing up. I cheered at Blinn College with Vante. We were actually roommates together. Uh, I cheered here in 2014 and 15. And then I cheered at Sam Houston State University for three years. I have a bachelor's degree in criminal justice. And I've been coaching cheerleading for about 10 years now. Awesome. Um, well, since we're talking about you, uh, what you kind of mentioned, you cheered at ice. Um, how long have you been at Blinn? So as far as coaching goes, I actually just received the job. The old coach resigned in October of this past year. And I was hired during Christmas break, basically, and came back to resume for the start of second semester. So I've only been the coach for like four months now, um, but I've been involved with the program for about six years. Okay. So where, where is Blinn College? So it's in Brenham, Texas, which is a really small town. Um, it's, it's just about halfway between Houston and Austin. Um, so it's not bad because there's kind of two options that you have for airports flying in. Sometimes one's cheaper than the other. Uh, Houston's about like an hour and 10 minutes away. And I think Austin will take you like an hour and 20 or so, but it's it's pretty much right smack dab in the middle. Okay. And you don't like Blinn, right? No, I love Blinn. (laughs) But uh, Blinn, uh, as you know, we both went there. We both lived in Brenham, but a lot of people commonly don't even know exactly where Brenham's located. So you said it was in Houston and Austin, but what is the area like? So the area is it's very small town vibe. Um, I don't know the population offhand, but the school itself is pretty small. Um, it's 
we've got some commuters, but I think on campus there's only like two or three thousand students. Um, so that's not very much. <clears throat> the town itself is kind of one of those it's people's families who have lived there for generations and a lot of people own the same things around town and there's like there's a couple restaurants and a Walmart and we have uh, down here a big thing is Bluebell ice cream and the Bluebell factory is actually in Brenham so that's kind of like a touristy thing that some people will come to see but for the most part Unless you're going to Bluebell or you have business with somebody in Brenham, it's not a town that you would probably find yourself going to very often. Because there's so not. So what I hear you saying is, aside from cheer, your athletes go to Walmart or eat ice cream. That is pretty much yeah. <laughs> okay. Um, where where do most of the student athletes live? So they, we all they all live on campus. Um, it's, it's a rule for us actually at Blinn that if you are a part of athletics, you have to live on campus. Um, so right now, all of the cheerleaders live in, there's multiple different types of dorms. Some of them are older or newer. Um, but the cheer, there's also on-campus apartments and that's where the cheerleaders have been living for the last two years. So the apartments are a little bit more expensive, but instead of that kind of dorm room life, which is just you're basically in a semi-medium-sized room with another person and two beds in it. They all have their own bedroom. Uh, they only share a bathroom with one other person. And then they also have a full kitchen in the apartment with a living room too, which is a, a huge step up because when you're in a dorm, the only thing that you have access to is a microwave basically. So it's, it gets hard to cook for yourself. And we have meal plans on campus too. Um, there's a, a, dining hall on campus for breakfast lunch and dinner but a lot of kids especially athletes if they're trying to eat healthier it's much more convenient to be able to cook your own meals than just have to go to the dining hall and just get what you get when you go and you're you guys are a junior college correct um do you know what like what is the annual tuition for a normal student attending so for a normal student, again, like depending on like how many credit hours you're taking and if you want to live in one of the more exp expensive dorms or there's a couple things that factor, but I would say as a general statement, it's about 4,500 to 5,000 per semester with housing and meal plan and classes and all of that included. And that's if you're like, you have no scholarship or anything like that. So for an entire year, then that would be probably nine or $10,000. Okay. Uh, one thing about Blend that I always thought was uh, kind of interesting, if you look it up online, there's actually more than the Brenham campus, which can get kind of confusing. Uh, so that's one thing that if you, I, I don't personally know what they're known for academically, but I know they have like a, they feed straight into like Texas A&M, which makes it very convenient for any of those majors, like uh, whether that be engineering. So I know Blend has a phenomenal engineering program, but I didn't know if you knew any more about that. Now you're actually on like the management management part of it. Yeah, <clears throat> yeah, I do actually. the The engineering program, like Vante said, is it's very. I mean, Blinn's engineering program is it's pretty good. But the big thing about it is that it directly feeds into the engineering program at Texas A and M, which is a phenomenal program when it comes to engineering. <clears throat> um, they also <clears throat> do like a lot of kids will come here before going to nursing school. 
Uh, we also feed into Sam Houston State University. I, I would say not quite as much as Texas A&M, but a lot of our kids go there too. And the schools, they just coincide well that like most that are offered at Blinn will be accepted for transfer credits going to Sam Houston because there are some schools where even if it's a junior college, you could take some classes, but then if you transfer to another school, sometimes half of those classes won't be accepted just because it doesn't match up with the curriculum at that university. So both of those two schools, um, Texas A&M is only 45 minutes away, and one of our campuses that Vontae was talking about is in Bryan, um, and that is basically the same town as Texas A&M. And then Sam Houston is only like an hour and 15 minutes away from here too. So it's pretty, it's pretty close, but there's even some classes on, on all of the campuses, but especially in Brenham, cause I know because my, some of my athletes were in them last year where there are actual engineering courses that is, it's not even a blend course. It's a Texas A&M credit that you get, but it's offered on campus at blend. So okay. that really helps. Um, for some of these kids because there's only so many um, general education classes that count towards engineering really. So if you're trying to get two years of school in, you kind of get stuck if you start need to start like actually taking engineering classes, but there's nothing there. Nice. So what's the overall campus culture like at Blinn? Um, it's, it's pretty laid back. I mean, campus is, I feel like our campus is really open in the sense of like the middle of it. There are some dorms and stuff, but it's like people will pretty much always just be walking through the middle because the, our student center where the cafeteria is, is at the middle and all of the other than a few dorms, most of them are around the outside. So it's kind of one of those things. It's not that it's a really big circle, um, but it's just kind of like a, a square of like streets that go around a big parking lot. So you pretty much just walk by everyone as you see them. I mean, it's, especially if you're an athlete here, you, you won't get very far walking around where somebody doesn't notice you because most of the teachers come here, like most of the teachers attend games and stuff. So like they know who the cheerleaders are and everything and they, they support the basketball players. So it's very, it's very supportive of athletics. I would say that probably 40% of the kids who live on campus are in some type of sport. So you'd say it's a fairly tight knit community. I would say, yeah, I mean, yeah, it's, I would say that. And just the way that it is too, of how the advisors try to set up classes is if you're a part of a sport, like they try to put a majority of the athletes in the same classes when they register for them. So like, if you're new here and it's your first year, besides getting to know your team, you'll have an English class with mostly basketball and baseball players or football players or something like that. So that way it just helps like be able to get to know other people too and not just your teammates. Okay. Um, Vontae, what was like your experience with the culture of the school there? Uh, from being on an athlete standpoint, uh, like how you said, uh, Brenham had that really like small town feel. Me coming from like the city of Chicago, it was a hair different, but it, if he was like, he really means it when like you eventually know everyone, like the, all the athletes, we all hung out together. Like we all went to lunch together. There is a, a very support, another type vibe in Brenham, whether it be from your own teammates or from other different sports. I never went through a day where if, or a perfect example was um, like how when, 
we go to college nationals or something like that and I have a bunch of classes with a bunch of different athletes they're the people that I can lean on and be like hey like what's what did I miss while I was gone and stuff like that I never struggle getting information from teachers or athletes or even people that didn't even do any type of uh athletics it's just a very like let's if you need me I got you like type of vibe at least I've never struggled with anything really there when I was at Blinn so it's a very tight-knit like home family type vibe I guess I would say is there any special academic support that your student athletes get at Blinn so one thing that kind of just crossed my mind as Vontae was talking about it when he was talking like if you miss something how there's you could reach out to other athletes which is true but one thing that I will say that I didn't even really notice happened as much when I was an athlete it wasn't until I started coming here like until I started working here I guess um but the faculty itself on campus is not extremely huge so we pretty much know like even the faculty knows who the coaches are and we'll see them like at lunch or I'll eat lunch with some of the teachers sometimes and stuff. So that relationship really helps because if one of the kids is struggling or if they feel like they don't know what they're doing, or if they feel like for some reason their teacher isn't helping them in what they need help with, there's been a couple of times that they can come to me and I already know their teachers. So I can email their teachers and kind of just say like, Hey, can you help me out on figuring out, what I can do to help them or can you help them? you know what I mean just I guess to have an adult to reach out on their behalf and the teachers for the most part always respond and they're just much more likely to be helpful when it's when a coach is asking for help as opposed to the kid just because they get requests from kids all the time so I'm sure sometimes they just kind of slip through the cracks I guess and you stay engaged in your athletes education in some ways sounds very like. much so yeah yeah um I mean, I made the mistake of not being super – I wasn't I, – I originally went to Blinn because I wanted to cheer. Obviously, I was taking classes, but I was worried about cheering when I was at Blinn, and I have learned in the long run that I kind of wasted some time and money with not being super concerned about my education. And just the way that I feel about it is even if you only want to cheer – you're coming here and you have to take classes anyway. So you might as well make decisions that are going to make things better for you later on down the road. Like don't just waste your time and money just because this is what you want to do because you can still cheer and pass classes that matter for what you want. If that makes sense. Yeah, no, I mean, I, for me, that seems really cool. I, my cheer experience was at university of Oregon, um, a much bigger college and our, I mean, at those bigger colleges, our coach had no, no ability to intervene on our behalf academically or even keep up with everything all the athletes were doing. Absolutely. Um, so being able to have that kind of support structure, I think is, is huge for a lot of kids. Right. Well, uh, another thing, uh, I don't know if you've changed this since, uh, you know, we both cheered, but we had to maintain a minimum of a 2.0 the entire time that we were at Blinn, which for some people it might be a little bit hard, but we weren't allowed to cheer come second semester if you didn't pass with at least a minimum of a 2.0. It's encouraged, obviously, to get higher than that, but we even even if we had Cs on progress reports and stuff, there was some type of punishment that we would get. So it's not just about cheer. We actually were inclined to be good student athletes. Yeah, and to go off of that, of what Vontae said also, another thing about that, it is a 2.0 still, but the other thing that really gets kids sometimes is you also have to 
earn 12 credit hours per semester that you've been a student at Blinn. So like if you are a, even, and it goes like even for second years, um, <clears throat> but like if you are, if this is your second year at Blinn and it's the, it's the Daytona semester, so that's basically your fourth semester, <clears throat> in order to be eligible for that semester, since you've taken three, you already have to have 36 credits. So some of these kids will only take 12 hours, but then, I mean, <clears throat> in the spirit of not wasting money and not killing your GPA, sometimes it is a good choice to drop a class if you fall behind for some reason. But if you're only enrolled in 12 hours and you drop one of those classes, you have to take like a mini semester or like an online class during like Christmas break. Otherwise, you still won't be eligible. Even if you have a 4.0, if you don't have 12 hours, you can't compete. Got it. That's good. That definitely catches up with people sometimes. Um, but it's also just in the spirit of making sure that kids aren't just kind of skating through trying to do the bare minimum. Yeah. So let's get to actually the cheer stuff because yeah. that's what everyone wants to know more about. Right. Um, but it's good to know about the university. I, you know, I've seen lots of kids go on to colleges and a lot of times they'll pick a college for cheer and then they'll get to a college and go, I hate it here. I don't like right, the wherever they are, yeah. Illinois or whatever. And they're like, I don't like it here. I don't like this state. So it's a good thing for kids to make sure they consider picking their universities. Yeah. So what teams does your program offer at Blinn? So as far as cheer goes, we only have one team, which we are small co-ed division two. Um, so that means that we compete with 20 and only four of them are boys. So four boys and 16 girls. Um, for the most part, my I'm still finishing with like some tryouts and stuff for next year, but my goal for this upcoming season is going to be to start with 40 and 10 of them will be boys. Wow. Okay. So you have more athletes in your program than make math. Correct. Much more. Awesome. Um, yeah. And part of the reason we do that one is because, you know, it, it helps. We try to keep things, I guess, you know, somewhat competitive um, just because if there's not, other people standing in line that can do the same things that you're doing in your spot in the routine, then sometimes it doesn't really motivate people to do their best. You know, people will slack off sometimes because they're like, Oh, well, nobody else can do what I can do. But that's a different story when there's 15 people standing on the side of the floor and any one of them is ready to step in whenever they want. Yeah. So you already said that you guys go to Daytona and you guys like make mad stuff like that. But, uh, would you say the focus of the program is just competition or sideline? Because obviously it's a college, so you do have to cheer games. Which one would you consider is the focus or both? I would say that the reason that most people come here is for competition. And, I mean, that is what we put most of our work into. But cheering for, like, game day cheer is still very important because what people don't understand is the scholarships come from funding and that funding comes because people want to see us cheer and have fun at games. That, that is what the school has us for is with, to be cheerleaders. Um, so as far as priorities go, cheering games will always come first because that's what the school wants us to see. So we cheer football games. Um, every home football game, everyone will cheer. 
the away games, we usually take only like eight. Um, and most of the away games are in state still. So it'll be a long bus ride, but it's not like we don't like fly or anything to away games. We also cheer volleyball games, which will split the team up into probably like four group. We do like four groups of 10. So then you don't even have to cheer every single volleyball game. It'll be like blue team, gray team, black team, white team. And then we'll just assign like which team is cheering which game as we go. And then we do the same for basketball. So it is, there are a lot of events that we cheer, but because we have so many kids, we're able to split it up. So that way they don't feel like they're cheering at like six games a week or something like that, because they still need time to do homework and relax and have lives. For sure. And, and so speaking of time and, and having time, what, how often do you guys practice on top of expectations of, of football games and volleyball games, et cetera? Right. Um, so we practice three days a week. Uh, it tends to change sometimes, but what I have set for this semester coming up is we will practice Tuesday, Thursday, Friday, and we practice from 1.30 to 4.30. Okay. Uh, and then – I kind of try to do that time too because that's like right when dinner starts opening up and everything and the library kind of clears out at that point. So that's why we have that practice time because they get, I, everyone, I tell them to get done with class by one o'clock. So you can take any classes before that and then they come to practice. And then when we get out of practice, they can go to dinner and then they can go get cleaned up from practice and go to the library because we also have um, mandatory library hours. Uh, that we have to do that they have to do every week so you'll walk you'll get like a slip and you walk into the library and the lady at the desk will sign you in and she has like a special stamp that she puts on it um, so you have to get for most people it's only five hours um, a week that you have to get so that's not really bad I mean that's an hour a day to do okay. homework. do you guys have additional like weights workouts or other expectations outside of practice we do yeah we have <clears throat> There's two weight rooms on campus. So there's one that's like open to all of the students in our, it's called the Cruzy Center, which is a, it's a pretty big um, uh, building, I guess you'd say. And that's where we hold like our basketball games and there's an indoor track in there too. But we also have a weight room that's kind of older, but it's on the other side of campus right next to the gym where we practice. And that is a weight room only for athletics. So we have certain times that'll be probably like two or three days a week where we'll just have a workout scheduled and everyone will come in and we'll just like work out together for an hour. And then like just different types of like strength and conditioning, like drills and stuff that we'll do. What is your guys's practice facility? Like, like where do you do your practices? <clears throat> so our practices are held in the, we call it the rock gym. Um, it's, it basically all the walls are like built out of rocks and everything. So if you, if you walked into it, you would know exactly why it's called the rock gym like that. But it's, we're lucky because we really only share that gym with the dance team. Other than that, nobody really goes in there. So that is kind of like our place. Um, it is on a basketball floor. So sometimes people will come in at night to play basketball, but for the most part, it's just ours. So we have our mats that we kind of just line up on the side against the wall in the gym so every day we have to pull the mats out and lay them down but it only takes a couple minutes um it's a very 
it's a very open area. Like you walk in and it's just a big basketball floor and we have some like cement bleachers, I guess you could say that go up like six rows. So that way people, when we have like clinics and stuff, they can come in and watch. And then we've just got a music box and we roll out the floor and uh, yeah, I mean. Get to work. Yeah. Yeah. Speaking um, of uh, clinics, at um, clinics, do you have any type of like skill expectation that you have for like incoming freshmen? So anyone is welcome to come to a clinic, obviously. Um, but as far as expectations that we go, if you're trying to make the team, we say minimum um, standing tuck. But I mean, what we're really looking for is in girls, we want to make sure that they can do at least basic elites of like group stunning and it would be preferable for them to have a full or especially pass through to full. But as far as like requirements go, it's really just a standing tuck. And what about getting that money? So that's another thing too. Um, we, we have a decent amount of scholarships that we're able to give out. It tends to fluctuate a little bit, but I think right now I have, 34 that I can give out and the way again to our scholarship the way that scholarships are done tends to change here and there because when Vontae and I were at Lynn it was about a like a certain like it was like tuition and fees or room and board that we would get so it wasn't a general amount of money it would just cover a certain thing whereas now it is just an amount of money so it's a, it's a thousand dollars a semester that you're able to get and the way, that's how it is right now is you're either on scholarship or you're not on scholarship and you either get a thousand or you don't get a thousand. So everyone gets the same amount of scholarship, which some people like, some people don't. Um, but that's just what it is right now. But um, so I have 34 scholarships that I can give out every semester. So uh, 34 of 40 athletes get a scholarship. Correct. Uh, adding on to that though, I know, uh, obviously blend covers uh, out-of-state tuition because right. both of us are from out-of-state. So that in its own right, if you're on a okay. team, you get waived out-of-state tuition regardless. So that in its own right could be considered a scholarship of some sort. Yeah, right. because, yeah because that out-of-state, I'm not even sure actually what out-of-state would be. Um, uh, it's you, like ten or 11000 something like that. It's, it's a it, way bigger difference. It's about double, yeah. I mean, it's, it's definitely a huge difference. Um, but for the most part, to, as a as a general thing, I would say is if you if you come to try out with a full, you're probably you're most likely going to get a scholarship if you have a full. Okay, that's huge. Yeah. And uh, with with guys, since you're small co-ed, you kind of need more stumbler boys. Exactly. Yes. Um, and it didn't used to be that way so much, but the the score sheet has changed a little bit in the last couple of years. So in order for us to max out, we have to do the same stunts that you would see like large co-ed boys doing. So they have to do like co-ed backhand spring ups or rewinds or full ups or anything like that. Um, so co-ed stunting is also a big thing there, but it's like you said, we're looking more for stumblers because we, we don't want, we don't want to put like a big boy on the team. That's like, it's great if he can stunt, but we need boys that can stunt and tumble so that we're not just having all of our girls tumble and the boys are just standing around stunting, basically. Which I guess I should clarify for people listening and watching that stumbler means a boy that can stunt and tumble. Correct. Yeah. 
uh, not that they're just uncoordinated and, and tripping. Yeah, just falling all yeah. around the mat. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so, and like I said, like, even if you find somebody who's kind of, like, on the, the verge, like, sometimes you'll have a boy who, like, his tumbling is, like, kind of okay, and he's pretty good at stunting, or vice versa, like, a great tumbler, and he can just do, like, basic stunts, which I would take one in either of those situations, you know? As long as you kind of excel at one or the other, then we can work on the other, but if you don't really have any tumbling and you can't really stunt, then that's a lot of stuff that you're going to have to learn in order to have a shot to be on that, basically. And also to clarify, that full that they need to show to potentially get a scholarship needs to be something they can perform on dead mat, correct? Correct. Yeah. Um, standing tumbling, do they need to, like, standing tumble to full as well? <clears throat> so the, yeah, the, the goal of what would get – if we're talking about things that would get put in the routine, um, yeah, so a running full or especially through to full and then standing tumbling would be a two to full – uh, preferably like a toe touch two to full. A lot of people struggle with those on dead four though. Mm -hmm. um, and then like one to fulls and like standing fulls and cartwheel fulls obviously are always welcome. But there, I mean, there are some that I'll take who can do a running full, but their back handsprings are a little slow. And in a routine, they don't even two to full. Like I had a couple like that last year. Obviously, it would be great for everyone to just be able to tumble in every section, but that's not really realistic. Got it. Um, Vonte, anything else that uh, cheer related, like with skill base or practices that we're missing? Uh, not that I can really think of, but uh, um, you guys also have access to trainers, which a lot of people, a lot of schools don't have that, which is pretty dope. So we, at least when, uh, when I was there, and I know that the facility's gotten even better now, but we always had access to trainers before and after practice. And I'm pretty sure we have a trainer assigned to the cheer and dance team. So I had a specific trainer uh, when I was there, her name was Shay, that uh, if I had ankle issues, she would tape my ankles before practice. Like we traditionally try to get there 30 minutes before practice. Cause if you had any like rehab or taping or recovery stuff to do before and after they were always there for you so that's a big 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 difference when I went to university we didn't have that access anymore so it's very convenient for those athletes that are worried about like maintaining the longevity of their bodies as well yeah yeah so to go off that actually um I guess I, I could have explained this a little bit better too because that that really is a, a big thing of so when I was talking earlier about how I said our practices go from 1 to 4 30 the way that that works out is they're expected to be in the gym by 1.30, like just their body physically in the building. Um, our trainer gets there at like 1.15. So from until about two o'clock, they're not even expected to have the mats out. That's time for them to like stretch on the side, tape their ankles, tape their wrists, everything like that. Our trainer's name is Destiny. So she'll be there and she takes care of all of them. So that first 30 minutes is just stretching and taping and all of that. Um, and I know that for a lot of all-star kids, I feel like they don't tape as much. But when you're when you're putting your body through what we're doing on hard floor multiple times a week, things start to hurt, and tape makes a big difference. I mean, it's it's what will it, it helps injuries. It'll prevent you from getting injuries. It's just, I mean, I don't know. I feel like when I first came, I was just like, oh, I don't need tape. Like I I never used tape until I started really hurting, and then. It's just, it's one of those things that it might not seem like a big deal, but it is a big deal that it's available all the time. And our, like you said, 
our trainer's always at practice. She's basically considered a part of the team um, just because she does so much for us. And the actual training room with like ice baths and stim and all of that um, is open all day long uh, before and after practice. Are there any other unique perks that the cheer team gets? Gear, other experiences that are unique here? Um, you will get, so they get a backpack. Um, it's just like, it's a blue backpack that says Blinn on it. And they the get practice What was that? Is it the same one that Vontae still carries around all the time? No, actually. No, they got new ones. They got nice ones now. <laughs> just got newer ones. <laughs> got my old one from We just got like two years ago, I think, though. We had those old backpacks for a long time. Um, but it's just like a blue backpack. It says Blint on it. Um, they get three um, outfits of practice wear. So, like, the girls will get, like, two sports bras and then a tank top, and they'll get spandex. And then the boys will get, like, whether it's like a dry fit material or if we do tank tops, whatever, we switch it up, but they'll get shorts and like three shirts to wear. And then they all get a brand new pair of shoes at the beginning of the season. Everyone that is on mat for Daytona will also get a new pair of shoes in. We do it like the beginning of March, like right before spring break, basically. Um, because these shoes, a lot of them, the shoes that I'll give them at the beginning of first semester, they'll wear to football and basketball games to cheer. So they'll be kind of torn up by then. Um, but yeah, shoes, clothes, we get new clothes for nationals. They get a couple bows throughout the year. Um, so there's some apparel, but where it's not like we're, I know that some universities, we're not like sponsored by Nike or anything like that. So it's not, it's not anything super crazy. It's just kind of your standard what you would see when you get to a team so that we look uniform and stuff like that okay um do many of your athletes have jobs on the side do they do all-star cheer um what's their life like outside of blend so i would say that maybe half have jobs outside um they, they all have the ability to i think some of them just don't care that much because that's also another reason why I make our practices over by 430 because I remember when I was there with Vontae we worked at a gym that was close to school and we would get done with practice at like 515 and have to work at 530 and it was miserable um, but we had to do it because we needed money so that's why I end it earlier now so that way they can have time to at least get some food in them because even if there's like it's a restaurant or like HEB, which is a grocery store um, in town or something like that, like most evening shifts start around five or five thirty. So I try to end it on time so that they have time that they can take a night shift because a lot of them can't work during the day because they have classes. Um, usually one or two of the kids every year will work at the it's called cheer factory but it's a gym that is like right down the street from it's i think two miles off campus mm -hmm. and we have a pretty good relationship with that gym because i mean like i said it's it helps them to have us come through and like help their kids and stuff and it's nice for us that i can take them there sometimes and we can use their spring floor instead of having to tumble on hard floor every day right um so one of our athletes watching us on facebook 
Uh, I know the answer to this question, but I'll ask for her. She wants to know if you guys get to see Navarro when you're at the Daytona. <laughs> um, um, yeah, you. Yeah. We, we, we we actually play Navarro. So yeah. We um, whether it's an away game or a home game, uh, they they bring cheerleaders too. So I mean, you'll you'll cheer a football game against Navarro. Yeah, my first year we had a home football game, so it was away for Navarro, and they brought about like maybe twelve to fifteen athletes there. So you'll see them before Daytona for sure. Yeah, absolutely. And so I, I actually never got to go to Daytona. We competed at USA Nationals. Whoop, whoop. Um, <laughs> so what's what's Daytona like? Like that's what everyone we we see the videos, but from a coaching perspective, from an <laughs> athlete perspective, what's it like? Uh, it's just, Go, you can go first. Fox. For aspiring athletes, we don't need to know about Stuntfest, just Daytona. It's, uh, it can be overwhelming, honestly. Uh, I remember the first time I got off the bus, I would see all the videos of all the people I used to look up to. And it's, um, it's like uh, if you see Daytona not during college nationals, it doesn't even look like the same city because I'm not joking. There are thousands upon thousands of cheerleaders all on the beach. And there's just so much going on. There's people practicing their routines and stuff like that. So it's a, it's a very overwhelming, especially if it's your first time competing, to see all of that and take it in. And, like, you can hear the, the ocean the entire time you're on the boardwalk. You're most likely going to stay at some point on the boardwalk. Any food or anything you need is walking distance. So you, you're on a tight schedule. Like, I remember, yeah, all my years I've competed at Daytona, I couldn't even really do anything or have much free time until we were done competing in finals. And even after that. We had a banquet after that, too. So there was always a schedule, always a lot to be focused on. But it's, it's honestly some of the most fun I've ever had in my life, being in that experience around, like, like how do you ask if Navarro's there? You see all the teams that you've heard or seen on TV and on YouTube. And you get to see them and, like, see their coaches and see that they go through just as many struggles as we do. Like, I remember the first time I saw, like, a, I think it was Sam Houston State. I saw them, like, I used to, like, know a lot of people on that team. And I was like, they never mess up. And then you see, like, oh, they go through the exact same thing that we do. Like, it's, it's, it's pretty it's – a, it's a good experience, honestly. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I agree with pretty much everything Vante said. I think one of the uh, – I'll, I'll name a couple things I think that really stand out. Um, <clears throat> first of all is the day before you even compete. So prelims is on Thursday and finals is on Friday. And I think that – I mean, some people get there at different days during the week, but everyone's there by Wednesday. Um, and Wednesday is the day where it really sets in because, like you said, you'll walk outside and we will be practicing. So everyone stays in this the Hilton, which is a big hotel, and the Hilton will be full of cheerleaders. It's impossible to get a room there during nationals because the schools block out the entire hotel, basically. So it's a hotel completely filled with cheerleaders. And there's a grass patch outside of the back of the Hilton. So you're standing in grass on one side is the hotel and the other side is the beach. So you see the ocean and everyone is just practicing in the grass right there. Like Huge schools, some schools that you've probably never even heard of that will end up be like sometimes plenty of times I would walk by and I would see somebody do something really good. And I'd just be like, Oh wow, that school's really good. I've never even heard of them. But you just, I mean, you start to tell that like, it's you see so many unexpected things and it's it can definitely be overwhelming but it's um that's kind of like for me that's always how you've been able to see like okay now we're getting started because you're just out there practicing in the heat in Florida in April 
while everyone is standing around watching you. And it's, it's pretty nerve wracking. Um, watching from the hotel rooms. We uh, obviously our athlete mentioned uh, Navarro, but you know, we kind of laugh a little bit, but that's also because Blinn's a pretty good school, right? Like you guys have won Daytona. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, we've won uh, six times in a row now. Um, obviously it got canceled this year, but so next year we'll be going for number seven, hopefully, but it's not, I mean, I laugh and I think Vontae laughed too, because we're both very good friends with the assistant coach at Navarro. Right. And we have been friends with tons of people who've cheered there throughout the years. And the, the schools are not that far. Like Navarro is only like two and a half hours away from Brenham. So it's not – I mean, in Texas, that's not really anything because everything's super far away from each other because um, it's such a big state. But – so, yeah, it's just funny, especially – and I know it's, like, because of, like, cheer on Netflix and everything now. But they're not somebody – because we're in different divisions, like, it's never even – I would never compare Blinn to Navarro because they're completely – it's completely different right. team. Like, it's, it's not the same kind of cheerleading even if that makes sense. Like small co-ed and large co-ed are completely different, especially right. when it comes to college. Even yeah, it's like, level. you know, those are your friends. You know, they, yeah. just because they're on a Netflix documentary, you're like, well, that's still my homeboy. Like, Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah, definitely that. But, but no, yeah, it's, it's really not even about the friend thing. But I, and I feel like a lot of people do this um, just because, especially if you don't know, it's just, you know, a college and a college. But it's even way before cheer or before I was friends with people on the team, I just would never compare the two teams to each other because they are so different. It'd be like comparing a co-ed team to an all-girl team. I mean, not that we're an all-girl team, but it, it is that drastic of a difference in the divisions. Yeah, that's very fair. So before we hop off and thank you for spending the last hour with us, although yeah. we've only been live for about 45 minutes, uh, the first 15, 20 were all technical difficulties. Um, any, uh, anything else you think is important for people to know about Blinn, about college cheer in general? Um, how would people get in touch with you if they're, if they're interested in coming to a clinic or trying out? Um, what would people do? Especially, if it sounds like you still have openings, correct? Yeah, I mean, even for if they are tryouts or I was hoping – what I announced was that tomorrow was the deadline for tryouts, but I'm going to leave it open for a little bit extra. And I'm leaving myself a couple of extra spots because people always kind of, you know, some people just get in late and stuff. Um, so yeah, if there's somebody who is looking to come for next season, still, I would be more than willing to talk to them and have a look at them. But for the future, um, we host clinics. We do three in the fall and then we do tryout clinics in the spring but I know that it's not exactly cheap to fly from Oregon to Texas and stay here and stuff like that. So it's not mandatory that you come to a clinic. Um, honestly, as long as you're interested, if you email me, which I can give you guys my email so that you can post it. Um, yeah. But if you, if you send me an email, I will contact you and we'll just, I'll just kind of talk to you and see what you're looking for and evaluate you and then go from there. And there have been some kids already even who because I have friends that coach at other places that if it's there's been a couple who I'm like you know you're talented and you look like you have a lot of potential 
but I don't know if this will be the right fit for you because I don't want to take somebody just to take somebody. I want them to enjoy their time being here. So if I don't think this is a good fit for you, or if maybe you're not ready for this level, there have been a few where I'll reach out or kind of give their contact information to somebody else and just be like, Hey, maybe you want to look at this kid. Um, they might be a good fit for your program. That's awesome. Well, uh, thank you for your time. Uh, I know that our families have been tuning in throughout and they really appreciate it. Um, and this is going to be, this is on our Facebook. This will be on the, the full out podcast that I run and uh, we'll be trying to post it to YouTube too. And hopefully you get some good, good recruits, good interest out here yeah. on the West coast. Yeah. I would love that. All right. Well, thank you so much for your time. No uh, guys. Appreciate it. Vontae, thanks for setting everything up. And we'll, with that, take care. All right. Bye. Thanks for listening. If you'd like more information about Dream Camps or any of our guests, contact us at info at OregonDreamCamps.com.